turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. If you're wondering where the Gospel of Luke is, the Gospel of Luke is in your New Testament. It's the third book in your New Testament. New Testament is the second half of your Bible. We're going to be looking at Luke, chapter 2. If you've been wondering, over the past number of weeks here at Thrive Church, we've been looking at the Gospel of Luke. We've been taking a Luke at Christmas, pun intended, uh, because we were talking about the Christmas story. And today, we are so glad to be doing the very, very pinnacle of the series as we talk about the birth of Jesus Christ. And uh, this morning, before I ask you to, to read this verse or a few verses with me, uh, I want to ask you to give Jesus a big hand, a big shout in this place this morning because it's all about him. It's his birth that we celebrate. Yeah, absolutely. And so why don't we do this together? We're going to read this Christmas story and then I'm going to tell you what this, this, the message of this, uh, the, this message is entitled this morning. Why don't you look at it with me, verse 6 to 12 of Luke chapter 2. Read it with me, big loud voice this morning, church. What does it say? It says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, and lying in a manger. Today, if you're wondering what the title of the message is, uh, it's when God took a selfie. When God took a selfie. Let's look at verses 10 and 11 this morning together uh, one more time. What does verse 10 say? Verse 10 says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. See, one of the things I love about Christmas is that Christmas is about good news of great joy for all people. It's good news of great joy for all people. And this is what we're talking about this morning. How is it that the birth of Jesus Christ is good news of great joy for all people? We're going to talk about that today. Is it simply because it gives us an excuse to have a statutory holiday, you get some time off school, time off work? That's great. I'll take that any day of the week. But is that the major reason? It's not. Uh, you know, is it because we get to have excuses to have a, a party and to, you know, get gifts, go shopping and do all that stuff? I love that stuff as well, but that's not the most important reason. Today I want to share with you the two most important reasons why the birth of Jesus Christ Christ is good news of great joy for all people. And so today I want to begin by giving the first reason. Reason number one is because Jesus was born in this world, you can know that God loves you and wants to be close to you. Because Jesus was born, it's a sign to us that God loves you and he wants to be close to you. Would you turn to him and say, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. You know, let me ask you this question this morning. Do you have any funny habits any kind of unusual habits that you have that other people might think are a little bit weird or a, a little bit obsessive even? Uh, I think we all do. I, I have a number of them. Do you have one? You don't have to tell me yours, but can I tell you mine? All right? I'll tell you mine if you promise not to judge me. Is that okay? 
Oh, yeah, you promise? Okay, all right. So this is mine, all right? I've got a couple. One, one is this, is that you, you know that my wife Charlene and I, we tend to be quite health conscious, and we try to eat healthy, we try to exercise, we think health is a gift from God, we want to take good care of it. And so one of the things that we'll do is we'll, we'll try to you know, teach our kids to do the same, but I, I've got a confession to make, is that uh, every night, almost every night, after I put my boys to bed, there's one thing that I'll almost do every night, and that is uh, I'll take a trip to Dairy Queen. And I'll get myself, I'll, so, I'll go in there, uh, and uh, they know me by name because I go there all, so often, and uh, I'll get a kid's cup in a, or a kid's cone in a cup with brownie on top, and that's my dessert almost every night. And uh, they'll, they'll give me a discount even because I go there so often. I'm like a VIP at Dairy Queen. So if you next time you go to Dairy Queen and you want a discount, just, uh, just let me know. But, but he, he, that, that's, that's one of my weird, funny habits. But let me tell you uh, another weird and funny habit that I do even more frequently than going to Dairy Queen. And that is this, and you might find this weird, might, some of you might not find it very weird at all, is that my weird, funny habit is that every day I take multiple selfies. And uh, I, I admit it, I, I take multiple selfies. Any selfie-holics here in this place this morning? Anyone? I feel like I need a support group for selfie-holics. That's how, you know, that, that, that's how much of a habit has become for me. Now, before you start to think, man, this is the most vain pastor you've ever met, uh, let me be more specific about what I mean. Is when I say that I take selfies every day, I don't take selfies of just myself, all right? Uh, I'm vain, but maybe not that vain, all right? Uh, rather, what I mean is that every day, I will insist on taking a selfie with two very dear people in my life. Uh, they're my sons, Bradley and Caleb. Can I show you some selfies of us together? Is that okay? All right, let me show you just a few. Uh, we have over a thousand selfies together. Uh, that's how many we have. But here, here's, here's the first one uh, that I'll show you. Uh, you know, we've got posed ones, okay? Uh, we've got some, you know, ones that are more silly, like this next one here. Uh, you know, we've got ones that are more candid, like this one, uh, or this one here, the next one. Uh, but, you know, lately I'll admit that uh, since about September, since Bradley started school, uh, all of our selfies have been looking kind of the same. <laughs> And the reason is because every time I take a selfie with him, it's during the same time of the day. It's in the same place where I drop him off at school. And so quickly before I send him off to school, I'll just quickly go around the car. I'll open the door. He'll be sticking his head out. And I'll just take a, I'll take a, a phone and I'll just do a quick selfie. And as a result, all our selfies these days look kind of the same. In fact, I'll show you. This is, just, this is from one of the recent weeks. This was Monday. Okay. Uh, this is Tuesday. Okay. Um, this is Wednesday. All right. This is Thursday. Uh, and this is Friday, okay? Now, you might be asking, why do I even do that? They look almost exactly the same. Why don't I just copy and paste five times? Why, why don't I do that? Well, before I answer that question, let me show you my other son, Caleb. He was just born five months ago, and uh, these are my selfies with him. He actually loves to take selfies. He's, for some reason, uh, just really liking selfies these days. And so I'll, I'll take a picture with him here, and here's another one here, uh, you know, and another one here. And, and, and he just loves to smile, and he, he, for some reason, he really loves to take selfies. I'm not really sure why he loves to take selfies, but, you know, as I show you the last selfie, let me tell you why I love to take these selfies uh, with my sons and with my family. Uh, why do I go out of my way to take selfies with them every day? It's because, first, whenever I take a selfie with my sons, it's a simple reminder to me to cherish every day. Is that you know, the Bible says, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so make the most out of today. And so for me, taking a selfie every day with my sons is just a little reminder to me to cherish that day. 
Don't take anything for granted. Make the most out of that day and don't take the people in your life for granted. That's the first reason. It's a reminder to me. But there's a second reason why I take a selfie every day. And sound team, if we just to put the monitor down a little bit, just that would be great. There's a second reason why, is that these selfies are a message to my sons about how I feel about them. Is that what I'll often do after I take these selfies is uh, I've got these two email accounts that I've created for my sons. They don't use email yet. At six months old, you're not using email yet. Uh, we we kind of limit our screen time that way. And, and, and what I, what I want to do is I, I, I will take these selfies and I'll send these selfies to these two different accounts that they still don't have access to, but one day they will. And it's, it's for me, it's a little way for me to tell my sons long before they fully understand and long before they can use email it's my, a way for me to tell them a message, which is that I love them, that I love being close to them, that one of my greatest joys in life is that I get to be a part of their world, that I get to be present in their lives, and not just on special occasions like Christmas, but in every ordinary day. And for me, the fact that I can not only take a picture of them, but I get to get in the picture with them, for me, that for some reason just means the world to me. Now, what does this have anything to do with Christmas, you might be asking? Well, it's because if what the Bible says is true, and that Jesus was not just an ordinary human being, he wasn't just a good human being, he wasn't just even a famous teacher, but if Jesus is what the Bible says he is, that Jesus is the Son of God, the eternal, mighty God, then what that means is that when Jesus was born on Christmas Day, this wasn't just a regular human being being born into the world. This was God visiting mankind. This was heaven visiting earth. And, and just like when I take a selfie with my sons and I step into the picture with my sons, so on that very first Christmas, Jesus, the Son of God, stepped into our picture. He stepped into our world to reveal himself in a way he'd never revealed himself before. You could even say that Christmas was the first time that God took a selfie. It was a selfie with us. And see, why would God do that? It's because God loves you and he wants to be close to you. You know, we talk about weird or funny or unusual habits. You know, God has an unusual and weird and funny habit that you might think is strange, is that like a loving parent, he's always thinking about you. Like a loving parent, he loves you with all of his heart. And you know, that's the reason why Jesus' birth is good news of great joy for all people. It's because no matter who you are, or what background you come from, you can count on this truth, which is that God loves you with all of his heart. It's because Jesus' birth was God stepping into our world and saying, I love you and I'll do anything to be close to you. Have you ever been in a long distance relationship before? Where you've had someone you love who's far away from you because you couldn't be there or they couldn't be there. And so as a result, your, your heart is longing for them and you feel like you're in two different places at once because physically you're here, but your heart is elsewhere. That's how God feels about you and me. You know, maybe you grew up thinking that God is not there or that if he's there, he doesn't care. He's way too far away to care. Jesus was born and God came near on Christmas day to show you that God cares, that God loves you and he wants to be close to you. You know, maybe you grew up in a home where the people that you thought you should be close to, you weren't really that close to. Is that maybe they 
didn't show much affection to you. Maybe they were there, but they were kind of emotionally absent. Maybe they were just busy a lot, and they had to be away a lot, and you end up missing them a lot. And as a result, for reasons beyond your control, you couldn't really be with them or as close to them as you want. And for some reason, because of that kind of upbringing, you kind of project that image onto God, and you think God is that way as well. God is too busy for me. Or God is way too up there, and I'm way too down here. Or God is way too far away for me to have anything to do with him. If that's you, then you need to know Jesus was born so that you would know that God loves you and he wants to be close to you. Luke chapter 2 verse 12 says it this way. Could you read with me a big loud voice? Verse 12 it says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. You know, why do you think it is that Jesus, the King of Kings, the name of every name, why would Jesus, the Son of God, be born in a manger? Why not in a royal palace befitting of a king? Why a manger? Why a feeding trough in a farm? Why that? Why is it that Jesus' parents were not among the rich, powerful elite in Jerusalem, but there were these lowly peasants living in a small town that no one's heard of called Nazareth? Why is it that the first people that God announced the birth of his son Jesus to, they weren't the powerful politicians in the city. They weren't the popular celebrities around the world. Rather, he decided to show the, 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 the birth of his son and announce it to lowly shepherds, to people who were just commoners, as, 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 as people back then would say. Why that? I believe it's to show this, is that your life doesn't need to be all put together before God is willing to get close to you. That your life doesn't have to be all clean and pristine before he'll get close to you because God loves you just the way you are. Turn to him and say, God loves you just the way that you are. You know, maybe you've been thinking to yourself that, you know, you've lived or grown up in, a, in an environment where if you wanted to be loved, if you wanted to be accepted, if you wanted to be liked, if you wanted to be included, you need to meet certain conditions. You had to look a certain way. You had to act a certain way. You need to do certain things. You need to meet certain standards. And unless you do those things, you don't get in. You almost maybe feel like it's like kind of like kind of like selling your house. Kind of like you know where where you know you're you're, you're doing this thing where you, you feel like okay, in order for that person outside to want me or to want this, I need to clean up my act. I got to get it all together. I got to stage it and make it look even prettier than I usually make it and just make it so that it looks perfect. I'm going to hide all of my messes, all of my brokenness. I'm going to hide it under the carpet. I'm going to hide it in the closet. And when they come in, I'll just pretend everything is perfect. And hopefully, hopefully, maybe they'll say, I like it. I'm going to take it. I'll stay. If you think that's the way that God operates with you, then you've got another thing coming. Because Jesus came to show you that even when your life is a complete mess, even when my life is a complete mess, that God loves you and he wants to be close to you. You know, I, I, I even found a quote this past week that I think sums it up really well. It's this. It says, the hope of Christmas is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of Jesus. You know, you might be going through some trouble today. Trouble in your business. Trouble with your finances. Trouble in your health. Trouble in your marriage. Trouble with your kids. Trouble with the future. And if that's you today, then you need to know this. Jesus was born on Christmas Day to let you know that God loves you and he's not far away. That God is here and you don't have to be afraid. That's the first reason why the birth of Jesus is good news of great joy for all people. It's because when Jesus was born, it was his way of saying, I love you and I want to be close to you. If you believe that, can you get, say amen? 
Amen simply means I agree and we absolutely agree. Number two, last point, we're going to close this morning. Because Jesus was born in this world, you can know that God is here to rescue you. God is here to rescue you. You know, one of the biggest stories in the news in 2018 happened in Thailand this past summer. When 12 boys aged 11 to 17, plus their soccer coach, entered a very complicated cave system, which has all these narrow tunnels and narrow passageways. They thought it would be fun to celebrate one of their birthdays by buying a bunch of food and going into the cave system. And they decide, you know, we're just gonna be back in our villages by the end of the day, it's gonna be super fast. They go into the cave system with all this food. They go deep into the cave system. Little did they know that it started to rain. And it didn't rain small, it rained big. And it happened to be that there were actually warning signs around the cave saying between the months of July and November, don't go in because it's monsoon season and it will flood. And indeed, that's exactly what happened is that the rains came down, the monsoon impacted that whole region. And as a result, there was flooding in the cave. The flood went into the cave. It started to fill the different crevices, the passageways, the tunnels. And all of a sudden, these 12 boys and their coach are stranded, trapped in the cave. They could have no way of getting out. They couldn't swim. Even if they could swim, they had no way of you know, holding their breath long enough to get through what was two and a half miles of passageways to get to the end. It was impossible to get through. You know what they even tried to do? They said that when they found the boys eventually, that they had these rocks that they would use to scrape against the wall to try to get themselves out. They managed to even do a five meter hole in the wall in five or, or about nine days, but still it wasn't even close to getting them to safety. When the boys were trapped and in deep inside that cave, when their oxygen levels were dangerously low, when more floodwaters were to come, what began as a local emergency in Thailand turned into this international effort to save these boys. And see, since these boys couldn't get out on their own, what they needed was someone from the outside. What they needed was a team to reach out to them from the outside to rescue them. About one week later, after they were first stranded, two British divers found their way through one of the tunnels. And they didn't hear them. They didn't see them. They smelled them. And they're like, I think they're here. They called out, hey, are you guys here? Are you guys here? They're like, we're here, we're here, we're here. And, and, and all of a sudden, they were found. But that was only half the battle. They still had to get out. And after considering different options, these guys can't swim, we don't have diving equipment, they've got no diving experience, they had to come up with another rescue plan. And what it was is they decided we're gonna give each boy a full oxygen mask, we're gonna give him a full oxygen tank, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna inject a sedative into their bodies so that they can fall asleep, and this team, these divers, we're gonna carry them out while they're sleeping out of the cave. At some points when the tunnels were too narrow, they would have to push them and say, okay, you go first, okay, push you through, I'll hold your tank for you. But of course, they can't hear anything because they're just asleep, but they're just pushing them through, they're taking them out, they're pulling them out, and eventually, bit by bit, boy by boy, two hours at a time, they got every single one of them out. Give God a big, big hand here in this place together right now. That to me is amazing. One of the most amazing rescue efforts in history. And see, I want, I want to mention that for this reason. Is that in the same way, do you know that the Bible says that all of us are trapped? That as much as God loves us, as much as God wants us to be close to us, there's a problem, which is we are, we are trapped in a cave that we can't get out of ourselves. That cave is called sin. And what is sin? Sin is simply this attitude where we say, God, I'm going to do things my way, not your way. I don't care what you think, I'm going to do what I think. 
I don't care what you want, I'm going to do what I want. I don't care how you feel, I want to do what I feel. And that is what the Bible calls sin. And the consequences of sin are real. When we sin, our relationships at home get hurt. When we sin, we make mistakes that we shouldn't make. When we sin, you know, our own peace of mind gets damaged. When we sin, most of all, our relationship with God is severed. And in fact, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, meaning that the consequence for us sinning against God, and we've all done it, is that we can't have anything to do with God. He is holy. He is perfect. We're not holy. We're not perfect. And we have no way of reaching him on our own. If we don't do something about our sin, it will kill us, not just now, but forever. And see, when the problem of sin came, you know, most religions will tell you it's about what you have to do to save yourself. Be a good person. You know, pray a lot. You know, go, go to, you know, your, your religious worship place or, you know, do these different things. You know, you'll help people. And hopefully maybe just at the end of the day, you know, you will do enough good things that you can save yourself. That you can go and you can reach the end of that cave and, and you can get yourself out. But the, the, the Bible says you can't get yourself out. That no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you think that, you know, I'm a good person, I'm a pretty good person, when I go to heaven, I think God's going to see that as well. The fact is, is God's standards are way higher than we think. And what we need is not for us to try to save ourselves. That's just like scraping the wall with a rock. What we need is someone from the outside to come in and rescue us. And that's why Jesus' birth is so important. See, Jesus didn't just come to take a selfie with us. Jesus came to save us. Jesus came to rescue us. Jesus' birth was God's way of saying, I'm here to rescue you. And see, that's why Jesus came. Jesus would come, he would live the perfect life that none of us could live, a life that met all of God's requirements. And then Jesus would die on the cross, not for his own sins, but for our sins, to pay the penalty that we deserve for our sins because he loved us. And to show that he was truly no ordinary man, but he was who the Bible claims he to him to be, that he's the son of God, that not only did he die on the cross for our sins, but he was buried, and on the third day, he rose again to life to show that neither death nor sin have any hold over him, and that oh, if you trust in Jesus, you've got someone to rescue you. Oh, come on, give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now. You know, religions will tell you, you want to escape that cave? Try harder. Hold your breath longer. Swim faster. Do more. Save yourself. Because it's religion. What religion is, it's man trying to reach God. But see, what Jesus came to do was just the opposite. It's not man trying to reach God. It's God reaching for man. It's not man trying to save himself. It's saying, God, says, I love you, I don't want to be apart from you, and I want to be with you, not just now, but forever, and so I'm reaching for you, and I'm rescuing you. Come on, give God another big hand here in this place right now. That's how much he loves you and me. He sent Jesus Christ for us. Would you, Luke, would you look, or I was going to say, would you look, would you look at verse 2 or verse 11 of chapter 2? What does it say? It's a big, loud voice. One thing it says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Notice what it says. It says, a Savior has been born to you. It doesn't say a good person has been born to you. It doesn't say a good teacher who will show you how you can get to yourself has been born to you. It says a Savior. 
Someone who's here to rescue you. See, Jesus came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He was born in a cave so that he could get us out of our cave. That is the good news of great joy for all people. When we had no way of reaching God, God came to reach us. When we couldn't rescue ourselves, Jesus came to rescue us. When we couldn't go up to where God is, like the song we sang earlier this morning, love came down and rescued me. You know, many, think, many people think, you know, you know, religions are all the same. It's all about, you know, people doing good, being good people. And, and to, to some extent, you know, on, a, on, a, you know, on one level, maybe that's, all, that, that's right. But when it comes to the nitty-gritty, when it comes to the essence of what Jesus came to do, it's not about what you have to do. It's about what Jesus has already done for you. And that makes it different from anything else you'll ever find. My question for you this morning is this, then, is when it comes to getting out of that cave, are you trusting in yourself? Or are you trusting in Jesus to come and rescue you? See, how do you trust in Jesus? How do you do that? It's simply by praying a prayer and asking Jesus to forgive. It's that easy. Because it's not about what we do. It's almost like those boys. We just have to simply have to rest in the arms of someone who's much more capable than us. And, you know, many years ago, I invited Jesus Christ into my life, prayed a prayer, and asked him to rescue me. And if you were to ask me, practically speaking, what difference does Jesus make in my life? Practically speaking, I'm, I'm a very practical person. You guys are practical people? I'm, I'm, I, I, t- I tend to be quite practical about stuff. I want to know okay, why and how. And, and, and here it is. If, I were to, if you ask me what difference does Jesus make in my life, uh, I will tell you this. It's, um, can I just borrow that? It, it's like having an umbrella. Having Jesus in my life is like having an umbrella. Do you guys have an umbrella? You needed one today. Some people are kind of weirded out by me, like, uh, you know, opening an umbrella, but, you know, God is good, all is good, uh, you know, in this place. And, and here's the thing. Uh, here in Vancouver, we are used to using umbrellas, aren't we? You know, here at, uh, you know, in our city, we don't tend to get white Christmases all the time. Sometimes we get wet Christmases, right? I'm dreaming of a wet Christmas. Oh, it's here. Okay. Uh, and see, what, what does an umbrella do? An umbrella doesn't keep the storm from coming, but it protects you from the storm. What does an umbrella do? An umbrella, when you're under it, helps you to see in front of you a little bit more clearly. What does an umbrella do? An umbrella gives shelter for you and also gives shelter for those around you. And, and see, 11 years ago, my wife and I, we made a decision, uh, which was we were living in Taiwan for four years. And there were four amazing years in Taiwan. But we finally decided we don't need to make our way back to Vancouver knowing that it would be a challenge for us and especially for uh, Charlene because all of her family is in Taiwan. She has very little family here, and so her parents are there, her brother's there, uh, the church that we were part of there, had good jobs there, good friends there, good opportunities there. Um, and we're coming back to Vancouver, and it was an uncertain time. And so in a way to kind of tell Char that I'm here for her during this time, um, I, I, I kind of wrote this song uh, for her uh, about an umbrella. And uh, I wanted the song to kind of communicate that I'm here for her, but even more that God is here for her. And so I remember I wrote on the plane back from, Van- from Taiwan to Vancouver. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's about an umbrella, but it's not Rihanna's song where he goes, uh, under my umbrella, Ella, 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 eh. It's not that song. It's not that song. Um, uh, it's much simpler than that. Uh, the, the song goes like this. The words of the chorus go, um, all my life, just like the shore holds up the tide, I'm here to hold you when you cry and I will never leave your side. All my life, I'm your umbrella in the rain until the sun comes out again. You can hold on to me for sure, baby, all my life. 
Uh, and then the verse goes like this. It goes, uh, we'll just try this. Uh, I cannot promise clouds won't come or that you'll never see a storm. But I can say I love you all my life. And I cannot promise you the world or that you'll never shed a tear. But I can say I'll keep you safe with me. For years ago I said I would love you for a lifetime. And on this day I feel like I love you more than ever all my life. Just like the shore holds up the tide, I'm here to hold you when you cry. And I will never leave your side all my life. I'm your umbrella in the rain until the sun comes out again. You can't hold on to me for sure, baby, all my life. Give God a big hand here in this place right now. Can you do that? You know, the reason why I share this with you today is because that's God's love for you. Turn to your and say, that's God's love for you. Is that all your life, just as the shore holds up the tide, Jesus is here to be with you, and he will never leave your side. No matter what kind of storms in life you go through, whether it's in your marriage, or it's in your family, it's in your health, or the health of someone you love, or it's your finances, or your future, Jesus is the one to hold on to you when you can't hold on anymore. All your life, he's your umbrella in the rain until the sun comes out again. You can hold on to him for sure, baby, all your life. You know, my question for you this morning is this, is do you have that umbrella? Do you have that umbrella called a relationship with Jesus? You see, I should let you know that a relationship with Jesus is like an umbrella, but it's not your normal umbrella. See, a, a normal umbrella, you're going to use it from time to time. You're not going to use it all year. You're going to use it at certain points in the year, at certain points when it's raining. But i got to tell you this, is a relationship with Jesus something that you will use every day of your life? It's not an accessory. It's a necessity. You know, a, a normal umbrella is one that's kind of cheap. You can get this one for, what, what $15, $20? But a relationship with Jesus is the most expensive gift you could ever receive because it's paid for with the blood of Jesus. You could have all the money in the world and you wouldn't be able to buy that relationship, but Jesus paid for it with his own blood. And finally, other umbrellas, they're going to wear out after a few months or a few years, and you're going to have to throw it away and get a new one. But you'll know this is that a relationship with Jesus never wears out. It's there forever. It's there for you all the time, in your best and at your worst. Whenever you need him, he is there. You don't have to look for a replacement anywhere else. How do you receive a relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, you do it by simply praying a prayer. In just a moment, I want to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer. But I want to tell you this, is that you don't have to come from a certain background to pray this prayer. You don't have to come from a Christian background. You don't have to, you know, you, you might come from a Buddhist background. You might come from a Hindu background. You might come from a Taoist background. But God makes this available to everyone because it's good news of great joy for all people. And you might think, well, I, I won't be a good Hindu if I, I pray this prayer. I won't be a good Buddhist if I pray this prayer. Know this. See, Jesus is not here to give you a new religion. Jesus is simply here to give you a relationship with him. And all you need to do is open up your heart to Jesus. We want to give you an opportunity to do that uh, in just a couple moments. I'm just going to ask the worship team to lead us in a song right now. Could you give God a big hand here in this place this morning?
I'm asking to stand up to your feet, give your neighbor a high five and say, God loves you so much. As I lead you in prayer, let me just remind you of just of some of the things that happen to us when we ask Jesus to rescue us. Some of the practical benefits. One is this, if you ask Jesus to rescue you, you'll have the security of knowing that your sins are forgiven, that you are God's child forever. Number two, if you ask Jesus to rescue you, you're gonna have a peace that's bigger than your problems. That you might be going through the worst time of your life, but nonetheless, there's a peace in your life because it's not something you manufacture. It's the peace of God that surpasses understanding that guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Number three, if you ask Jesus Christ to rescue you, guess what? You're gonna have a power to overcome worry that you didn't have before. You have a power to overcome fear and temptation that you didn't have before because you know that God is with me. Who can be against me? Number four, when you have Jesus and you ask him to rescue you, you gain wisdom to improve your relationships. It's not just a vertical relationship with God that begins, but it's your horizontal relationships that get better. They get happier, they get healthier because of Jesus. Number five, you'll have joy and hope for tomorrow that are stronger than any challenge that you face today. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give an opportunity to those who are here who want to ask Jesus to rescue you who want to ask Jesus if he would give you his forgiveness and give you his love. And I guarantee you, if you ask him, he will definitely say yes. He's that kind of God. He loves you. He wants to be close to you. And he's here to rescue you. And so if there's anyone here who wants to pray that prayer, I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. And as long as you mean this from your heart, then the Bible says it's a very powerful prayer that you can pray, the most powerful that you can pray. If that's you today and you realize you need to ask Jesus to rescue you, to rescue from that cave called sin, to rescue from that cave called worry, to rescue from that cave called negativity and hopelessness, to rescue from that cave of not knowing what your life holds, from, to rescue from all those things, then I'm gonna invite you to just raise your hand to heaven today. Don't worry about what your neighbor's doing. This is between you and God. Just raise it to God, just raise it to heaven as an expression of your need for God today. Just don't, no one looking around. This is between you and God. Anyone here wants to receive Jesus as their savior today, just raise your hand to heaven right now. Just raise your hand to heaven right now. Yeah, you can, you can raise it high. I encourage you to raise it high to heaven. Let the height of your hands reflect your sincerity. Let the height of your hands reflect your faith. Let the height of your hands reflect how much you need Jesus. And I'm just going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. And those of you who prayed this prayer before, you can pray it with those who are praying for the first time. Let's pray it with a sincere heart this morning. Just repeat after me. You can say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. That because you love me. You died on the cross to pay for my sins. That you rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart. I ask you, please forgive me of my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Today, I place my trust in you. Not in what I do, but in what you've done because you love me. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together today? Church, you can do better than that. Come on, give God a big hand.